Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm going to get right into it this morning. Uh, We read a little bit from the book of John, but I want to go back to the beginning, or as, um, who is it? Would say, not Glenn Miller, would say, begin the begin. Let's go to the Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, say it with me, God created the heavens and the earth. Um, next to John 3.16, this might be the most famous or the most, most well-known Bible verse um, in the Bible. So the book of Romans tells us that we can know God by his creation, right? Romans 1.20 says that. It says we can know God by his creation. But there's a couple of other verses that go a little deeper than that. Um, I think you might be familiar with Romans 1.20, but there's other couple of verses like, for example, Psalm 19 verse 1 says this. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. I don't want to get too deep into a Hebrew lesson today, but um, it says the heavens declare. That really means um, recount, right? Or go back over again how powerful God is, right? And then the, the skies proclaim. The skies make known the work of his hands. Right? So we can see these things and we can know that there is a creator just by looking at these things. We're going to come back to this in a few minutes. But first, um, I want to talk about how this verse has played out in real life. How people have looked at God's creation and really been brought closer to him and, and seen him through his creation. Uh, many of our nation's heroes lived this verse out in spectacular ways that you might not have heard of before. Men and women um, who author Tom Wolfe, Uh, said had the right stuff, right? So without further ado, it's time to play your favorite game show and mine, and today is a daily double. Who are these guys? Okay, so I really wanted you to know, right? Right? Don't tell me I never did anything for you, right? Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, right, lived out the heavens, declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the works of his hand. Take these two guys, for example. They're best known as the first two astronauts that walked on the surface of the moon, right? You probably know that. But what you might not know is that uh, before they descended that ladder, that small step for man ladder, are you ready for this? I'm not. Um, Buzz Aldrin pulled out a Bible. They're sitting in the, in the lunar um, aircraft, on, sitting on the surface of the moon. Buzz Aldrin pulled out a Bible and pulled out the elements to celebrate communion. So the first thing after landing on the moon's surface, the first act there was to celebrate Holy Communion. And then they got on with their other business, right? This next gentleman is Frank Bowman, or Borman, I think, is Frank Borman. Um, Frank Borman um, led the first mission that orbited the moon. We did this in stages, right? Didn't land on the moon, but we did this in stages. First we went out in orbit, then we went around the moon, we came back. He was the one that, uh, that did that, that mission. He uh, commanded that mission. And as he looked back at the planet from 250,000 miles away, he radioed a message back to NASA. And it might sound familiar. He was so overwhelmed and so overtaken by what he was seeing. He said this in his message. He said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And later he explained in an, in an interview, he said, I had an enormous feeling that there had to be a power greater than any of us, that there was indeed a God and there was indeed a beginning. The list goes on. I'm not going to show you all their pictures, but there's a guy by the name of James Irwin. He walked on the moon in 1971. 
He said later, he said, I felt the power of God as I had never felt it before. Um, James Irwin then later in his life became a minister. A guy by the name of Charles Duke holds the distinction of being the youngest person to walk on the moon. And after that, he became a missionary. He said he liked to play with people and tell them how he walked on the moon, but he walked with the sun. See what he did there? Right? Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God. This guy's proclaimed the works of his hand. But th- it's not just with these guys, right? This happened over the centuries. Two centuries ago, this guy here, his name is Immanuel Kant, right? Philosopher, right? And he said this about God's creation. He said, two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe. Often and more steadily we reflect, the oftener and more steadily we reflect on them, these two things, the starry heavens above and the moral law within. Starry heavens above. He went on to say that this leads one to contemplate God. Right? Starry heavens above leads one to contemplate God. And that the heavens, can't said, reveal his power. Does that sound familiar? Heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. So as we contemplate God's amazing power that's visible to us in the form of a comet right now. You guys have gotten out and see that comet yet? It's going to be back in 400 years in case you miss it this time. Just set that on your iPhone calendar. But as we contemplate God's amazing power that's visible, right, in his creation, I'd like to remind you about the journey that we've been on over this summer, right? Most of the weeks this past summer, and that's our series on identity, right? our identity series. And I'm hoping by now you have that working definition that I've been talking about every week, several times every week, that working definition, like Lombardi would say, you know, keep going back to the basics. Definition of identity can be summed up in these two statements. Number one, what you believe about yourself. That's your identity, what you believe about yourself. And right next to that is who you believe you are. And as I said a couple weeks back, um, one of my favorite uh, authors is A.W. Tozer, and his famous quote is that the most important thing to you, what comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. What comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And then a couple weeks ago, I added right next to that, the second most important thing is what you think about yourself when you think about yourself. What's the first thing that comes to mind when you think about yourself? What do you believe about yourself? Who do you believe you are? But in order for us to do that, for us to fully understand those two concepts, what we believe about ourselves, who we believe we are, we need to go to the source. So maybe we should say, um, what should you think about yourself? What should you believe about yourself? Well, the author, the source, gets to say that. That same author that we saw back in Genesis 1.1, where it says, in the beginning, God... That's the Hebrew word Elohim that we talked about last, um, last fall, or maybe in the spring. Elohim, one of the names that God uses to identify himself. That's God the creator. So if Genesis 1.1, stay with me now, if Genesis 1.1 is the beginning of everything of creation, the beginning of creation, we need to go to a different verse to help us understand the completion of creation. We can read through Genesis 1. Hopefully you do that on a regular basis. Read through chapter 1 of Genesis and see the pattern of God said and it was so. 
God said and it was so, God said and it was so. Day one, day three, day four, day five, right? God said and it was so, and it was good, all those days say. So then the stage has been set, right? By day six, we have an earth. A few days later, we have a sun, moon, stars have all been created. Before day six, we have fish swimming in the oceans. We have birds flying in the air. We have bugs crawling around on the ground. The stage is set. So on day six, God starts to create animals, right? Everything from the fuzzy little bunnies to cattle, horses, everything else you can imagine. And many things, more than many things that you can't imagine. I read one time that 99.9% of all species are extinct or have gone extinct. It's a lot. But I digress, sorry. Back to the events that unfolded on day six, right? Dun, dun, dun. Day six, God creates all the animals that we know and many that we don't know about. But then my favorite moment, one of my favorite moments, if not my favorite moment in the Bible that Moses wrote about, probably from some notes, experiences that he was given from somebody else, he tells one of the most amazing moments in the Bible. Where God himself, who by the way up to this point had spoken everything into existence, God steps down to earth, the earth he created and forms a human being. Names him Adam. Forms Adam out of the dust and breathes into Adam the breath of life. Let's look at that in Genesis 2.7. It says, Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Adam became a living being. That word formed is a fun one. It means, means to squeeze into shape. Right now you're probably thinking, God could have squeezed a little bit harder in a couple places when he created me, right? But really, the word formed, if you look at the Hebrew dictionary, the word formed is going to go back to a potter with clay. So sometimes we sing hymns, we sing songs about that. You are the potter, I am the clay. A potter, to throw a pot, right? It also means to fashion something, to fashion a pot. So if you're like I am, you know, things start to fit together and go together. They're not individual things, they all work together. So when we combine the idea of a potter in uh, Genesis 2-7, when we combine that with the words God gives us back in chapter 1, it all kind of starts to make sense and come into focus. Genesis 1.26, the first part says this. Then God says, so this is just a couple verses before chapter 2, verse 7. 126, first part. God said, let us make human beings in our image. And a couple things should jump off the page at you right away. First, the word us, right? We've talked about this before. The word us. That's, um, that's plural, obviously, right? Well, so is Elohim and back in Genesis 1.1. Elohim is the plural form indicating the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in the first verse of the Bible. Let us make human beings in our image is the next word I want to jump off the page at you. That's the word I want to focus on today. That's the title of the message this morning. Our identity, our image. So remember the idea of the potter in chapter 2, verse 7, right? That word image can be translated uh, or should rather be translated as the word imprint. 
Let us make our imprint, right? When you're trying to translate one thing from one language to another, it's, I'm saying it's nearly impossible to get all the nuances and all the ideas. So imprint. Now, when I was a kid, they were retarring the road in front of my house, and so I ran down there with a stick. It was hot. I wanted to stick my hand in it. It was way too hot for that. I took a stick, and I wrote my name in it, scribbled, scrawled my name. And if you've ever seen my handwriting, you can imagine my stick writing is not very good, right? But then I did brave it, and I stuck my thumb in there, and it was there for a long time. I wanted the handprint, but I just didn't do it. Maybe some of you have done that, laid some cement somewhere, you know, maybe made a patio or a sidewalk or something, put your handprint, maybe put, put your kid's handprint or imprint in there. Well, that's what, what God has done with us. He's put our, his imprint on us. We are exactly like a clay pot, right? Like that clay that he forms. God formed Adam out of the dust, out of the mud, just like a potter takes um, you know, a pot and finishes it. And then um, the, when the potter would take a finished pot off the wheel, if it's really wet, now imagine a big wheel like this, right? He took a big pot off that, off that wheel and put it over here on the shelf to dry. If it's really super wet, when he takes his hand away, there's going to be an imprint of that potter's hand on the pot. And that's what God says he has done with us, right? We all have this, this image, this imprint, this God-sized imprint in us that can only be filled with the one who made that imprint in the first place. Talk about a good way to identify which potter made which pot. Well, does your hand fit in there or not? Then we know, right? Your creator. Like a different key in a different car. Sometimes we try to go and fill that void with whatever comes our way, but it doesn't seem to fit. Like the wrong key and the wrong lock. I've got a bunch of Fords in my yard, and so one time, or actually it's happened more than a couple of times, I take the wrong key, you know, right? And I put it, and it fits in the ignition, but then it just won't turn. And you think, well, is the wheel messed up or what's it? Before you break it off, though, you realize you got the wrong key and the wrong lock. So the creator, right, gets to show you how things are supposed to go, how things are supposed to be done. But we mess that up, and we don't listen to him, and we don't rely on him. I've got a good example of this, and I have a person out here who has agreed to come and help me. Barbara, do we have any more lollipops left? Because Barb's going to need one here. Come on up here for a second. Sorry, Barb and Barbara, Barbara and Barbara. I have a conundrum for you here. You're a very crafty person. That's why I picked you, right? Give her a big round of applause. Here, come on up over here. I've got a big open stage for you. So all I'm going to ask you to do, and I've got a little video of this, what, what, she, what she's up against, what Barb is up against. I'm going to ask you just to recreate this, okay? So I've got a, it's cardstock. You don't have to tape it onto something, but I've got it taped on there. No, you may not take it off here. You may take this piece of paper and this scissors. Do we have that video, Jennifer? Take this scissors and this paper and try to recreate this. So this is what she's looking at. Look at how the folds are going. Look at, no, you don't have to look at that. You can look at it right here. Recreate it. Recreate this. Else? No, just make this. Just make oh. this. And Kelly, could we get a little background music here or something? <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Yeah. Da, na, 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 na. All right, all right. So she's got this this piece taken out. It's almost exactly the right oh. size. Yeah, good, 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 good. No, I don't think I have it right. Well, you're starting to get it. 
just didn't get these close enough. Didn't get these close enough. And you got to get a fold on this side. Look at this. Yeah. And you got to get a fold on this side. You know, I'll tell you what. I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you a break. You can, you know, have you seen that game show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? You can call a friend. Oh, ask anybody in the congregation. Ask anybody in, in here that uh, can help you. Yeah. Ha, ha. <laughs> I do have several pieces of paper up here, actually. <laughs> so you can see what they're up against here. There's some different folds and some different cuts here. Oh, that looks perfect, Bobby. Yes, it does look perfect. Yes, thank you, Riz. What does Jesus say about the blind leading the blind? He said, what does Jesus say about the blind leading the blind? Take a look at this right here. Well, I think, oh, you've, it's got to be one piece. Yeah. I would have thought it would be Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you, you give you like 15, cut, you 15 more seconds. Fight! Oh, we're not fighting. We're helping. Ooh, that's really close. Yes. That's really close. Yeah, but you don't have to cut it out. Four, three, <laughs> two. Play the bum 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 bum. Oh, nice. Okay. All right. So. Thank you, Jeff. I'm going to keep Barb up here for just one more second. All right, so the lesson is this. I said you could ask anybody in the room how to do this. I should have asked you. Yes, yeah. you should have asked the dude who made it, yes, right? right? Now give her a big round of applause for a lesson learned. And a lollipop, please, here over here, Barbara. Right, but don't we go through life wondering how to do it, and we don't ask the one who created us, right? We ask all kinds of other people, right? Jeff knows what he's doing with some things, right? He makes a good cup of coffee and things like that. But, right, we don't rely on the person that, that, that's the one that's right there for us, right? And then God says, you know, here's, here's what you have to do with this, by the way, and let me show you. So you have to cut it once here to about the middle, and then cut once on each side of that, about like that. And then you take it like this and flip it over, right? So God says, you know, these things that look impossible. And anybody could have come up here and there's no way you would figure that out unless you've seen me do this before, right? But God says, you know, it might look impossible to you, but he says, you know, just flip that other side over. And there you go. That's, that's all there is to it. And that's how God puts things together. And yet we refuse to go to him and ask him to help us do these things that in our minds seem impossible. And while I was thinking about this, while I was putting this together, I was reminded about a story, and I was thinking about Mike when I put this together, about a Model T Ford, right? Model T Fords broke down all the time. This dude was driving down the road, or what they considered roads in those days, and a Model T Ford, and just quit right there in the middle of the road. So he got out, and he was cranking on it. He was advancing the spark. He was trying all kinds of different things. He just could not get this thing started. Well, this big car came down the road and stopped, this rather well-dressed man got out of the back, and he said, can I be of some assistance? The guy said, yeah, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, hold on a second. The old man got in there, well-dressed man got in there, started tinking around. Pretty soon he said, all right, try it now, and it started right up. And then he introduced himself as none other than Henry Ford. And Henry Ford said, I created these. I designed them, and I built them. I know what to do when something goes wrong. God looks at you and says, I know what to do when something goes wrong or when something seems impossible. Bring it to me. Owner was very happy, obviously, with all of that. We should be very happy with all that. God designed you and he built you. Right? Just like Henry Ford designed and built those cars and knows how they run. 
God designed you and built you. He knows how you run. He knows what to do when something goes wrong. And his designs are perfect, by the way. Take earth, for example. And we talk about this in our youth group. Take earth, for example. Perfect position from the sun. We call it the Goldilocks zone. If we were any further from the sun, we would freeze. If we were any closer to the sun, we would fry. The earth tilts on its axis. If it tilted more, the poles would freeze when they're away from solid. If, uh, if it wasn't tilted enough, the equator would fry. It's perfect. It's Goldilocks. It's made exactly for us. But what about you and your perfect design? Did you realize, do you know, do you not know that you are designed perfectly for God's intended purpose for you? You are a perfect design as well. Look at 1 Corinthians 3.16. This is really easy because everybody knows John 3.16, right? Everybody say 1 Corinthians 3.16. Say it so I know you're out there. 3.16. Paul says my favorite lines, he says, do you not know? How silly are we? You do not know your little pea brains that you are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you. By By definition, the Holy Spirit is God. By definition, where God lives is the temple. The Holy Spirit lives in you. You are now a temple. You are designed to be God's temple. You are designed perfectly for God to dwell inside of you. Wouldn't it be cool if we had a verse that said exactly that? I said, wouldn't it be cool if we had a verse that said exactly that? We got a verse that says exactly that you are exactly fitted perfectly, created perfectly to be his temple. Look at Ephesians 2.10. I've shared this one with you many times. For we are God's what? Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things he planned for us long ago. God calls you his masterpiece. Right? The potter giving a tour of his studio of all these pots he's, that he's made. Right? Sun, stars, moons, earth. Right? Animals, fish, birds. He gets to this pot that's you. And he says, that is my masterpiece. This is when I said it is very good. No longer just good. But I've told you all that before, but here's one that I have not told you before. He created you. Pop that back up there, Jennifer. He created you, right? The Greek word katizo, katizo means to make habitable, to make livable, right? He made this earth habitable to human beings so that we could live on this planet, right? People say, well, isn't there another planet somewhere else where, you know, we could support support life? The odds of that happening are the number, whatever that number is, it's next to zero, right? Whatever, when we're starting at zero, whatever number we come up with before, after that, that's the odds of having a planet like this anywhere else. Literally, utterly impossible, except by God's hand. He made it habitable for you, livable. He made you habitable for him. This word created, again, tough to translate words. This word created just doesn't go far enough. It says that he has created us to, so that he could live in us. So that we are habitable for God's spirit, God's presence to live inside of us. How does he do it? Because he created it. He designed it. He created it. So just as God created a world that's perfect for us to live in, he created us that's perfect for him to live in. 
God created you, his masterpiece, perfectly suited for him to dwell in you. And he's left this God-sized imprint in each and every one of us, just waiting, longing to be filled by him, by him alone. So my challenge to you now is this. When we walk out that door is to find new and different ways to fill that void that God has purposefully left there for him to fill. Find different ways for him to be able to fill that, to invite him in, to understand our role in this whole idea of identity. We put our identity in all kinds of different things, but where it really needs to be and the only time it's really going to fit is when we use him to identify us, who we are, because of how he created us. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, please stand with me.